You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. God will read us. God will direct us. And listen, the more time we spend in God's Word, and there's no excuse for not doing this, the greater will be the desire, our desire, for holiness and character. You see, the Word challenges us, it inspires us, it cleanses us, it purifies us. Remember what Jesus said in John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verse 3. He said, Now are you clean through the Word, which I have spoken unto you. How much time are you spending in God's Word? There's nothing magical about the book itself. It's just paper with ink. But the words it contains reveal the very heart of God. He speaks to us in it. And when you dedicate time to study it, it will change you. In today's message, Pastor Mike will challenge us to be purposeful about seeking God through His Word. Don't slack on reading it. It's worth every minute. When you hide its words in your heart, it will transform your life from the inside out. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 as he continues his message, What God Has Done. through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And he's referring to the spiritual knowledge here. That is knowledge that is received into the heart, that is developed and deepened as we daily commune with Christ. Just simply hanging out with him, relying upon him for all things, staying as close to him as we possibly can, walking with him daily, moment by moment. And as we increase our knowledge of him daily, notice here, according to our text, the glory and virtue, verse 3, to which we are called will become more and more evident in our lives through holy living. That's the way that it's revealed. And then also notice in verse 4, the reference to the precious promises. That is, those precious promises that have to do with salvation. Those precious promises calling sinners to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. You see, it is through those precious promises we come to know Him. We become partakers of the divine nature. And gang, this is more than just simple moralism or good works. Because according to this text, we are told that His very nature is imparted to us. The very nature of Jesus Christ. That that nature of righteousness. And therefore, sin no longer has dominion 
over us. In 1 John chapter 5, in verses uh, 4 and 5, I want you to quickly turn there with me. In 1 John chapter 5, in verses uh, 4 and 5, there we are told, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So sin no longer has dominion over us. Gang, there is no habit of sin that we cannot conquer. God has enabled us so that we might experience that victory. So listen, child of God, and that's who you are, have you claimed your treasures, your promises in Christ? Have you placed the load of your sin completely upon Him? Are you enjoying the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free? According to what is recorded first there in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. What is that sin in your life robbing you of peace and blessing? What do we need to do? Well, just simply bow before the Lord and claim your victory. Recognize Christ's all-sufficiency and then fully trust Him. And so for those of you who may be uh, tuning in, who have never come to Jesus for your salvation, I encourage you to come now before it's too late. While your heart is softened, you've heard the Word of God, and, and God has spoken to you in a very matter-of-fact way this evening. Respond to it in kind and make that choice and decision for Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now before it's too late. That's the greatest need in life. That is to be born again of the Spirit of God. Come to Christ. Receive Him right now as your Lord and Savior. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he or she was cleansed from their old sins. Now, these things in our life exact a great responsibility. You see, we're not only to receive God's wonderful gifts, but we are to use and develop them. Because of what God has done for us, we shall be more than willing to give back by expanding our spiritual gifts and graces. Now, this is something that God expects of us. God is uh, pleading with us. Uh, Peter is pleading with us as well uh, here in this uh, text. But you know what? All of the instruction in the Word, all of God's commandments, are for His people's blessing and therefore our benefit. Uh, so we're not giving up anything uh, to yield ourselves to do these things that we're exhorted to uh, do. Because in doing them, we will receive God's blessing. There's great benefit in uh, yielding uh, to them. I mean, we can either extinguish the flame that God has lit, or we can fan it. And I encourage you to fan it. So anyway, Peter here in verse 5, let's go back to our text. Notice he says, For this very reason, 
all of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, all of what God has done for us in Christ. Therefore, give all diligence. Give all diligence to the things that we're going to be talking about. That is because of the facts of what God has done for us. So, therefore, let us strive in every way possible with his provision. Now, this phrase, let's go back to this phrase, giving all diligence, can also be translated with intense effort, with intense effort. And that's the way that we are to approach this exhortation. So it's suggesting the seriousness and importance of our responsibility here. And gang, don't expect to grow in the precious faith uh, that is recommended to us here in verse 1 of chapter 1 without a zealous endeavor. You see, the Christian life just doesn't happen Yes, God gives us all things that are essential to life and godliness. But after they are received, after we've received those gifts, we must use them to glorify and magnify Jesus Christ. So, therefore, what is God looking for here? Well, he's looking for virtue. He's looking for fruit. He's looking for these graces to be produced in and through our lives. And notice here, there are seven of them that are listed in verses 5 through 7. And this evening we're going to go through all uh, seven of them. And also, another observation concerning these uh, graces, each one grows out of the previous one and in turn prepares the way for the next. Okay, so anyway, with that, with that said, let's go back to our text. And I want you to notice the first grace we are exhorted to add to our precious faith is virtue. Notice there in verse 5. Now, what are we talking about here? Virtue, that is, in the moral sense. Developing moral character. Now, true faith in Christ always results in something. In fact, James tells us in chapter 2, in verse 17 of his epistle, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. So, if we know Jesus, our relationship is proven by a holiness of life. That's how we can really uh, determine whether or not we truly know uh, Jesus. That's the way that we gauge it. Is there a holiness about our lives? So, this is an obligation that's more important than ever because of the age in which we live. An age that is devoid of moral character, and holiness. So, God here is calling upon us, His church, to glorify Him by our possessing a character beyond reproach. He wants us to be victorious men and women, manifesting this holiness of Christ. Now, that brings us to the second virtue that's a part of this uh, list. Notice also there in verse 5, we're told, virtue is then to be supplemented with knowledge. Now, what are we talking about here? What kind of knowledge? Well, this is knowledge that's acquired by the study and the reading of God's Word. You see, through believing on Christ, we receive the precious faith that's mentioned here in our uh, this chapter, which becomes the foundation of character, but it is from God's Word we get wisdom that provides the instruction for character. Let me give you a couple of cross-references. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 2, in verse 6, the book of wisdom, there Solomon tells us, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and under 
uh, standing. So it's so important that we stay in the Word, that we're students of the Word, that we read the Word, meditate upon the Word regularly, every day. You see, the Bible is clear-cut instruction telling us what is right, what is wrong, what God expects of us. And God says to each of His willing students, the 32nd Psalm in verse 8, there we are told, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way you shall go. I will guide you with my eye. What a precious promise. That is, as we stay in the Word, as we read the Word, as we meditate upon the Word, seeking to apply the instruction of the Word in our lives. God will lead us. God will direct us. And listen, the more time we spend in God's Word, and there's no excuse for not doing this, the greater will be the desire, our desire, for holiness and character. You see, the Word challenges us, it inspires us, it cleanses us, it purifies us. Remember what Jesus said in John's Gospel, in chapter 15 and verse 3. He said, Now are you clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. So the study of the Word of God has a purifying effect upon us. It cleanses us. It washes us of our sins. So let us take the time to add knowledge to virtue by studying God's Word, allowing Him to speak to our hearts. And listen, that's exactly what He will uh, do. Now, the third grace, temperance, is the next one that Peter names. Notice there in verse uh, 6, Temperance is rather self-control. So it's all according to what translation of the Bible that you're reading out of. Uh, the New King James says self-control as this next grace, but it also uh, can be translated temperance. Now this is particularly referring to the mastery of sensual, sexual passion. And you know, as I think about this, how many Christians are overcome by this area of their lives. They're unable to control their sexual appetites. You know, we've seen this, unfortunately, uh, in the lives of many Christian leaders who have fallen because of their sexual appetites and their inability or the inability, rather, to uh, control them. So self-control is so very, very important. Unbelievers have very little ability to curb this area of their life. But Christians do. How do they do that? Well, notice here, by that divine power that's mentioned for us in verse 3. And we've talked about that in one of our previous studies. It's through that divine power where why we can get control over our passions. So that must be utilized. Let me give you a cross-reference. In the book of Romans, in chapter 6, in verses 12 and 13, there we are told, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but rather present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So again, that's the secret to victory. Don't yield yourself to sin, but rather yield yourself to God. What's involved? Complete surrender to Christ. And that's exactly how we overcome lust. The yielded life is assured of continuous victory. Next to self-control or temperance, Peter mentions patience. Patience is actually the, the fourth, if you're keeping track, 
of the graces that are mentioned. Patience. Now, the word patience can actually be translated endurance or perseverance. In fact, some of the translations uses that word uh, perseverance. Now, this is persevere, uh, that is to persevere patiently, regardless of what temptations, trials, testings may come our way. You know, Paul put it this way, writing to uh, uh, the church at, uh, uh, to young Timothy, actually, in 2 Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 3. He exhorts Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We must persevere. No matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're going through, some hardship, some trial, temptation. Listen, gang, as Christians, as I often remind you, isn't always easy. We encounter many struggles, many battles along the way. In fact, for the Christian, this can even be more true because we have these very powerful enemies that we have to face. We have the world, we have the devil, we have the flesh, all formidable enemies to contend with. And so how important is it that we are able to patiently endure all things looking to and relying upon Jesus. You see, that's the secret, which actually is no secret. Now, next to patience, this would be the fifth grace mentioned. Next to patience, we're to add godliness. Notice there in verse 7. The idea here is reverencing God. It's about respecting God. It's about honoring the Lord. And how do we do that? by giving him his rightful position of authority in all that we say and all that we do. It's the lifestyle that we uh, live. You see, he has my complete attention. My life becomes an atmosphere of meditation upon him. And, and, and if you think about it, isn't that exactly what the church is all about? That would be a great working definition of what the church is all about. Well, anyway, the sixth grace... To reverence, we are told by Peter, add brotherly kindness. Now let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 6, in verse 10, there we are told by Paul, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. That is, our brothers and sisters uh, in uh, Christ. And how do we do that? By simply showing them kindness. Not only by word, but also by deed. You know, it's really easy to say, well, brother, I'll be praying for you when they express some kind of a need. But it's another thing to just roll up your sleeves, get you know behind them uh, to help them, to assist them, to overcome whatever thing that they are uh, dealing with. So it, it involves a heart that is overflowing with love. And listen, we need to seek for occasions to reveal that kind of love and kindness. And then the last in this list of graces, so lastly, notice there in verse 7, we must add charity or love. Now this has a broader connotation than brotherly kindness. Charity or love is of the universal sort. So it is universal love. That is that divine agape love that is planted in our hearts by the Spirit of uh, God. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 3, in verse 12, there we are told, And may the Lord, this is Paul praying, And may the Lord make you increase 
and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. And by the way, this would be a great prayer uh, to add to your list of prayers when you go before uh, the Lord, that God would enlarge your heart, uh, that God would make you a person that is uh, willing and ready uh, to uh, exercise that love in any kind of a situation to help a, another individual. So Christians are to love and help each other out, yes, but we are also to love and reach out to the lost. So it also includes the lost with a holy concern to see that they are one to Christ. So anyway, we've just gone through that list. Those are the seven graces to be added to that precious faith that's recommended to us here by Peter in this uh, first couple of verses of chapter 1. Seven graces. Think of them as seven stepping stones to enable us to know Jesus better. Let's go back to our text. Notice what Peter tells us in verse 8. He says, for if these things are yours, so if you've acquired them, you've given yourself uh, to receive them, and now they've been manifested in and through your life, and abound in you, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, listen, there's no shortcuts for this. Knowledge comes by obeying him and seeking these virtues in our lives. Okay, so here's the question. What if these graces do not appear in the believer's life? Well, notice what Peter says in verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old uh, sins. Okay, so that person lacks spiritual perception and vision, doesn't understand or has forgotten what God's grace has accomplished in him. Folks, what's the message here? Well, if we aren't going forward, guess what? We're going backwards. If we're not seeking more spiritual truth, well, we probably don't desire any. So listen, God has been good to all of us, hasn't he? He's given us this faith out of which these graces grow. And so let us be diligent to add these essential graces to our faith. Okay, let me lead you in a word of a prayer. Please join me. Father, we thank you uh, for this message. Father, we pray that we would work on this grace, on these, this list of graces. Lord, that we would add to the precious faith that you've uh, put within us. And uh, Lord, for all that you've done, Lord, uh, there's this tremendous responsibility, but it's a blessing, God. It's, it's a joy. And I, I pray that it's a, a joy and a blessing for all those of uh, my brothers and sisters as well. And so, Lord, help us to just yield ourselves up that you might uh, complete that work that you've begun within us. God, we thank you for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my We're so glad you joined us today for In My Father's House. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of 2 Peter, a New Testament letter that speaks much about holiness. As the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. 
In a world full of temptations, it can be difficult to live a holy, set-apart life, to live a holy life of only good and pure things. But if you put your hope in the holy things, the worldly things become meaningless and empty. Where are you seeking true purpose? Is it in the world or in the Word? The world is sure to let you down, but God's Word is sure. We'd love to connect and pray with you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Call us at 212-247-1877. Again, that's 212-247-1877. If you're unsure what knowing Jesus means, visit harvestnyc.org and look under Resources for How to Know God. You can also find more messages from Pastor Mike on our website, Again, that's harvestnyc.org, or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Search for In My Father's House with Mike Fenizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find service times on our website. Well, that's it for today, but be sure to join us again right here on In My Father's House. Not be troubled.